0: Go ahead and sit down, church. Man, happy Easter. Hey, come on now. We got three services. Happy Easter. Woo! It's a celebration. Thank you, Andy. Man, it is so good to be here today. Honored that I get to teach. My name is Derek. One of the teaching pastors here at Bayou City Fellowship, I usually bounce between Cypress and Spring Branch. And so it really is an honor for me to get to open up the Word of God today with you. If you're a visitor, uh, welcome. Uh, We're so uh, glad that you carved some time out of your Easter weekend to come and to worship with us. And we just want you to know we're a really, really simple church. Amen. We're a simple church that says if Jesus said it, we want to hear it. And if he did it, we want to know about it. But not only know about it, we want to go and do what he did. Amen? And so today really is just a continuation of what we usually do on Sundays. But today specifically, we're focusing on the resurrection. Where Christ was dead, body, completely lifeless, no movement, put in a tomb, and three days later was raised to life. And so today, what I want to start out with is is reading the story in Matthew chapter 28. Ten verses. Ten verses to give us some anchor of how we're going to approach the Scripture today in light of the resurrection. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and flip open to Matthew 28. If you don't, it's going to be on the screens behind me. Verse 1, chapter 28. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took him, hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. This is the resurrection story that we gather around today that we celebrate. Now, there are a thousand or a million different sermons that we could go. We could pull out how Jesus uh, showed that he valued women because he appeared to women first. We could have a whole sermon on that. We could have a sermon on the response of Mary was to worship God. We could have a whole sermon on that. We could have a sermon on what happened when Jesus was raised from the dead, what was happening, why he was dead. But today, what I want to answer is, what does the resurrection, how does it impact you and me today? Thousands of years later, we sing about it, but, but how should it affect you and me And that's the question that I want to answer today through the scriptures is, is what is it to me? What's the resurrection offer today to each and every one of us? Now, when I was preparing my uh, sermon, uh, there was a difficult challenge in my life because it's also March Madness. Uh, Has anybody else watched March Madness NCAA basketball? Yeah. Uh, And so I was watching March Madness as I'm preparing, as I'm praying, and then I'm flipping on the TV saying where we're at and then preparing and praying. And as I was doing that, I watched an amazing game. Do we have any Aggies in the house? Wow, I don't know why you do that, but yes, Aggies are in the house. Whoop, whoop, whatever that is, gig them, whatever that is, whatever, okay. So I was watching the, the Aggie game, second round, uh, they're down by I think 12 points, less than a minute left. Their probability of coming back to win the game was .01%. They were dead, like they didn't have a chance. Commentators, people turning off the TVs, no chance, but the Aggies. The Aggies came back. They didn't give up because Aggies don't give up, do they, Aggies? No, no, that was a little better. Do Aggies give up? No. No. And so what happens is they come back, and what happens is their hopes were resurrected. They were dead. And then at the very end, in double overtime, they win the game. Now, unfortunately for the Aggies, they had to play a team the next week that we had actually heard about. (laughs) And it didn't quite turn out so good for them. But nonetheless, we saw an amazing comeback, a resurrection of sorts. And as I was preparing and thinking and watching basketball, I began to think about college sports in general. I love college sports. And so as I was thinking about college sports, I was thinking about my time playing college sports, where I played football in college. And so I start reminiscing about all the amazing things that I got to do and be part of. And as I was reminiscing and and then praying and then preparing and reminiscing and watching some TV, that's just how the pastor kind of rolls. I was thinking about my locker and, and how my locker in football really changed everything because when I went to college, I decided not to play football at all. And so the first two years of, of my time in college, I would watch from the next to highest seat in the horseshoe with my soon-to-be wife, and we would watch the game on the field, and every game I wanted to be down there, but I wasn't because I was just a fan. But, but the time when I walked on the team and made the team and the day I come in into the facility and they said, Derek, here's your locker. <laughs> that day is so special to me. Because when that happened, my identity shifted. I was no longer on the outside. I was on the inside. I was no longer a fan. I, I was a player. And, and as I got to my locker, they began to give me some equipment. And so they gave me a helmet. And uh, this specific helmet is the one that actually ended my career with a concussion. And so if I miss up some words, you you know what happened. Thank this helmet. Um, But this was the helmet that I used. And so I was given some equipment when I got my locker. And then what I had dreamed about for my entire life was that I would get to wear the jersey of my Buckeyes. And the day they gave me the jersey with my last name on the back, (laughs) like I became part of the family my identity was forever changed because today I'm still part of the Buckeye Brotherhood. And so my identity changed when I was given a locker. In addition to my identity changing, though, there was also a security that came with my locker. Because if you know what a walk-on's life is, like every single day, you're like, am I gonna get cut today? Is today the day I'm gonna miss a pass and then I'm gonna be kicked off the team? That was my life, and so there was this anxiety. And so I knew when I came back, To my locker, if my locker was still there, if there wasn't a a pink slip on it, (laughs) that I was still part of the family, that I was still part of the team, and so my locker brought me security. And in those days where I had a, a bad practice, ran the wrong route, got confused, missed a couple balls, on those days when I started beating myself up, when I came back to the locker, what it would remind me is, Derek, you were chosen out of 100 guys, like you were selected, you were picked, handpicked to be part of this team. You belong. in this locker, it brought me security. And not only did it bring me identity, it bring me security, but it also was the path to my purpose. You see, the reason they brought me on the team was to go play football, to lift really hard, to get jacked like this guy right here looking jacked down front here. <laughs> I never looked as big as this guy. I played receiver. I was a little guy. But my job was to go get jacked, be really good in practice, and then go play on Saturdays. And so there was a purpose, and my purpose always began at my locker. I'd get dressed at my locker, and then I would go to my purpose. I'd come back, and I'd change. And then when the game came, I would come to the game. I'd put on the scarlet and gray. (laughs) And I would go out, and I would live into my purpose. So my locker, it was the pathway. It was the gateway to my purpose. Now, I think if we're honest in here this morning which may be asking for a lot for some of us in this room, if we're honest with ourselves, those three things are what we're all looking for. Every single one of us has this born innate desire for identity, for security, and for purpose. And for me as a football player, my locker, it represented all of those three things. But I think what we're gonna see today in the scripture is that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus on a much bigger, bigger scale offers the same thing to you and me because we can look on identity all the time we can say man I I look for identity in how much I make like my identity is do I live on the outside or the inside of the beltway like we find that sometimes is my security in my 401k is it in the way I've structured my, my my bonds and my stocks and am I situated to rise up to the top of my corporation so I have some security in those things or maybe purpose, you today you just feel like, man, do I just show up to work, get a paycheck and pay the bills? Get a paycheck and pay the bills. I think a lot of us feel that way. Like there's got to be more to life than this. And, and what I think we're going to see today is that the resurrection offers us all a completely different picture. And it starts with a redeemed identity. Redeemed identity. So what the resurrection offers us. Now the resurrection in itself is an act of redemption. That means taking back, bringing back to the beginning, to the desired or the original intent. And so we think about the resurrection, there is redemption all over the place. And I'm just going to give you two examples. Uh, now here's a question. Uh, when uh, Adam and Eve were in, were created, where did God place them? In the garden of Eden, right? So they were, they were in a garden. And it was in that garden where Satan Tempted them with something God said, hey, you can do anything you want, everything you want. Just don't eat of this one thing. And Satan said, hey, if you, if you eat of that, then you're going to become like God. And, and it's going to be really good for you. And so in that moment, Eve actually disobeyed and brought about sin into humanity in a garden. Disobedience in a garden. Now, I'll fast forward a little bit. Jesus, before he was taken a prisoner... Before he was crucified, he also was in a garden. And what did he do? He he knelt down, feeling the burden of the the coming crucifixion, and he said, Father, if there's any way that you can do what you want to do apart from the crucifixion, if, if I don't have to be crucified, like that's what I would prefer. But nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. Do you see the redemption?" See, a disobedience started in the garden, but Jesus redeemed that, and he said, "It's going to end with obedience in another garden. That's redemption." And then just think of what, what did the, the fruit come from that was tempting to Eve? It came from the tree of good and evil. So it was a tree that had fruit that enticed Eve to disobey God and to be self-centered and to take it for herself. a tree. Now, now fast forward back to Jesus. What did Jesus die on? A cross. And where did that cross come from? A tree. See, what began on a tree (laughs) ended on a tree. That's redemption. What began in a garden, it ended in a garden. And what ended was the reign of sin and death. See, when Jesus died and resurrected, he said, listen, I've got the victory now. Victory is mine. No longer will sin hold you captive. No longer will death be your destiny. I say otherwise because I have victory over it. And in that, he redeemed us to himself. And in the midst of that, he actually redeems our own identity. Check this out in Colossians. This is what it says. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. It says that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness, listen to this word, and transferred us. To the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do you catch that word? Transferred. That He redeemed us. We we were in the kingdom of darkness. Yet Jesus came, died, and raised victory over darkness. And now He's transferred us into the kingdom of Jesus, into the kingdom of light. Do you see the redemption? And this redempted identity—it's all over the Bible. The resurrection brings about a change of identity to all kinds of places. Here's a few examples. Peter, before Jesus was crucified, he denied Christ three times. So, Jesus, the denier of Christ, after the resurrection, he became uh, Peter, the one who died for Christ. Do you see the change? Doubting Thomas, when he met the resurrected Jesus, became believing Thomas. You see that? Saul, the one who was called Saul, was the persecutor of the Christians. When he met the risen Jesus, he became Paul, the one who was persecuted for being a Christian. Completely 180. Redemption, bringing back to the original intent. And we see this in our lives as well, that through the resurrection, we are no longer sinners but saints. If that doesn't get an amen, I don't know what will. You, through the resurrection, are no longer sinners But saints, no longer enemies of God, but now you are friends of God. No longer destined to death, but destined to reign in abundant life. No longer slaves to sin, but free to live with God. Death to life. This is the identity change that we get on the resurrected king when he comes back to life. And so I have to ask you, is your identity rooted in Jesus? Have you been made new? Have you been transferred from the kingdom of darkness that ends in death and transferred into the kingdom of light that ends with and begins with life with God? You see, he offers us this changed identity. Just like my locker offered me some identity, Christ says, listen, if you come to me and trust in me, I'm going to give you a new identity. Now, my locker, it not only gave me some identity, it also gave me security, I told you. Now, let me ask you a question. Um, How many of you have ever been fearful or scared in your life? Anybody? See, my father-in-law's here. I guarantee he's never been scared before. He's a stud. Um, but we've all, except my father-in-law, have been scared at one time or another. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a story about a time when I scared, and I'm probably going to have to give you my man card because it's really embarrassing. Now, my wife and I, we, uh, we were young, newly, somewhat newly married, a couple years in, and we decided to have a weekend in a cabin for Valentine's Day. That's, that's a great thought, right? It's an amazing decision on my part to take my beautiful wife to a very secluded, out in the middle of nowhere cabin in the hill country of Ohio, not Texas. <laughs> and there was actually this white stuff falling down, the northerners call snow. And, um, and we were out there in the middle of nowhere. Now mind you, I, I was raised hearing stories about these ax murderers and chainsaw massacres that weren't in Texas and Ohio. And so I, I had this mindset going in. Now we were in a cabin that you couldn't see anybody even close to us, there was no way. And so we're sitting there, we have a little dinner out, we come back. We're sitting around the fire. It was a real fire. It wasn't a gas log fire, because I'm a man. Like, I'm going to fire up a real fire for my, my baby when I've taken her out. So we had, like, real logs, like, real fire, charcoal, pyro, love it. And so we're sitting around, and then we hear something. And Kate, like, me. she's like, what was that? And I said, I don't know, baby, don't worry about it. And then, uh, and then, you know, we continue to go on. I'm trying just being the stud, you know, that I am. Just being sweet with her and telling her how much I love her. And, and then we hear something again. And this time, I'm like, oh, yeah, what was that? Yeah, yeah, what was And so we kind of look around. We look at each other. We know we're in the middle of nowhere. Like, nobody is out here. And so we kind of get up. And then we hear something again. And at this point, I'm like, this is too many somethings. Like, I don't get it. And so, you know, in, in my manliness, uh, I uh, remember that my car was parked and looking at the cabin, and so I'm like, hey, babe, watch this. And I remember that if I push the lock button, that my lights come on. And so for the next hour, <laughs> I literally pushed that button a hundred times so the lights would be in our cabin so me and my wife would be safe. Pff, light, okay, we're safe. Light's out. Oh, quick, turn it back on. And then we, then we heard something again. And I'm like, hey, baby, I got this. I'll take them on, whatever it takes. I'm like, I got your back. But, but you know, I'm out by myself, like. Like I don't have a gun. Like Andy has guns every time he, everywhere he goes. I don't have a gun. I don't have anything. And so I'm feeling kind of naked here. And we hear the noise again. And this time we're like, look at each other. Like somebody's trying to get into this place. And so we're like sitting there. And so we said, what is the most uh, rational thing we could do? Not leave. Not like say, hey, this is probably foolish. No. What we did is we took chairs, and around every uh, door we set a chair. And, and that wasn't good enough. We then put a glass object on top of the chair so if the door was open, the glass would fall and it would break and it would let us know somebody was trying to break in. How foolish. And after we set this trap, <laughs> it was just gonna let us know we were gonna die. It wasn't gonna help us protect us. Um, we, we hear the noise again and this time we see the culprit and it's a pregnant Mouse. A pregnant mouse had me scared to death for my life, looking like a fool, giving my wife my man card, scared out of my socks. But this feeling that I had, this is the same feeling that the disciples were feeling after Jesus left. We're going to see it in John chapter 20. If you want to flip there, it's going to be on the screen as well. John chapter 20, the disciples are scared to death. Verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Now, now my Bible has an asterisk beside the locked. It says that they were locked and they put chairs with glass on top of it in front of the door. No, they weren't. I just want to feel better about myself. The doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Where he had, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So what we see here is the disciples. Now remember the context of what these disciples are doing. They had just taken three of their prime years of life. They had walked away from their jobs. They had walked away from their extended family. And they said, I'm going to take all of my eggs and I'm going to put them in the basket of Jesus because I really do believe he's the, the Christ, the Messiah. He's the one we've been waiting for. And so they followed him for three and a half years and did nothing else. And then a week before this, they have a Passover dinner with Jesus. Jesus full of life in the flesh. And now they're huddled up, scared to death. And the last image on their mind of Jesus was Jesus hanging on the cross. Or maybe for some of them, they watch Jesus' body completely limp, dead, no movement, be put into a tomb. And so in light of that thinking and those images, they're huddled up and they're scared to death. And it says that they're fearful of the Jews because they said if the Jews are gonna treat Jesus like that, what would they do if they know that I followed Jesus? And so they were scared. But what we see is that Fear and that anxiety, it it vanished when Jesus stepped into the room. And he said, peace be with you. So what we see is that security comes through presence. And this is big for us. Now, disciples, they're, they're scared, they're fearful. But the resurrected Jesus, because he came back to life, because he's no longer dead in the tomb, he walks in and he says, hey, peace be with you. I'm here with you. Now, because Jesus was raised from the dead, because he's not dead, he came and he lived with them for 40 days. And then he went to the Father. But then he did something really amazing. And actually, Jesus said, it's better that I do this than if I stayed with you forever. He said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus told the disciples, listen, I'm never going to leave you. And so when he sent the Holy Spirit, which is fully God, it's not a lesser God, it's fully God. He said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to live with you. And not only with you, he's gonna live in you. And because of that, you will have great security. You don't have to fear anything. You don't have to fear death itself because if you die, you're just gonna step into my presence even more so. And so Jesus says, my presence, my resurrected presence, it gives you security, now live into it. This is the same thing that we see David do. Psalm 23, many of us know that passage. He gets to the midway point, verse four. He says, even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you, God, are with me. See, the mighty warrior David, he didn't say, I don't fear because I'm the man and I'm courageous. He didn't say, I don't fear because there's nothing to fear. He says, no, there's plenty to fear, but I'm not going to fear because I know God is with me. And that's what the resurrected Jesus gives us, security, knowing that we have a God who is not dead. He is alive, and he is living, and he is with us. And that changes how we view Everything, our security rests in the presence of God and not our circumstance. The power of the resurrection, we know that God is with us. And if he is with us, then what shall we fear? After the security piece, we have the identity, we have security. And then the final piece, though, is our purpose. And we see just a little bit further in the story in John chapter 20, the next thing Jesus tells them in Verse 21, he says, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now now think about that a second. This is the redeemed Jesus, resurrected Jesus, redeeming the purpose of these men. He says, you're going to do what I was sent to do. Now we've got to ask the question, what was Jesus sent on this earth to do? That's the million dollar question, right? I think we could say a lot of things Jesus did, but primarily he came to reveal the Father, God fully manifested. When you see Jesus, you see God fully. Like he is the image, the perfect image. When you see him, you see God. The second thing Jesus did, he came to destroy the works of Satan. That's why he had to come and die on the cross, to destroy the sin and death. And the third thing Jesus did, he said, I'm going to show that the kingdom of heaven is breaking into this world all around. And he says, that's the reason I was sent, and now I am sending you also. Now now think about the implications of the purpose in your life if you understood this and grabbed hold of this. That you are sent to take the baton from Jesus and to run the same race that Jesus was running to help redeem this world, to shine light, to shine love, to shine truth. That's your purpose if you are redeemed. And what I love about this, it says you are to go. You see, if I was a football player and I had my identity, I had my jersey, and I'm looking sweet in my armbands, and I'm, I'm, I got an identity. And I'm secure, like, I was picked here. But what if I just sat here at my locker all day long and said, yeah, I know I'm a football player. I'm secure in that. What are you going to do about it? See, if I, if I never left my locker, I'd never fulfill the purpose of which I was given a locker to begin with. See, this is, how I think, sometimes what we do as the church, we're like, man, I am, my identity is in Christ. I'm, I'm good, I have security because I know God is with me, yet we just want to sit here and say, yeah, like Jesus, amen, kumbaya. But the purpose, Jesus says, I- I've given you a new identity. Listen, I've given you a new identity. I've given you my security, knowing my presence will never leave you. Now go. And the scripture actually says, as you go. So you say, Derek, where do I go? Do I need to go to Africa? Do I need to go to Iraq? Do I need to go to the Fifth Ward? Like, where do I go? And I would say, maybe that's the answer, but likely not. Because what the scriptures say in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, it says, as you are going, as you are already going, listen to this, the purpose is as you go to work, that's your purpose. As you go to the library, that's your purpose. As you go hang out with your friends, that's your purpose. As you go uh, take care of your family, that's your purpose. As you come to church, that's your purpose. And your purpose is lived out when you live out love. See, that's the anchor that Jesus did everything. The redemption, the truth that he shared, it was all anchored in love. And so what Jesus is telling us today, listen, you've got a purpose to take the baton to love wherever you find yourself going. It may be Iraq. It may be on your street, though. It may be in Africa, but it could be at your local Refugee place. Go love. That's the purpose of those that have, redeemed, have a redeemed identity and those that have security in Christ is go. As you go into the world, live out love. And so I ask you this morning, what would change in your life if you knew your identity, if you had security in something that was not fleeting, that something that was eternal, And if you knew your purpose was to continue on the ministry of Jesus to love others as you go, what would change in your life? What fear would you have that would dissipate? What waste of time would you let God redeem? What sin would you give up because you don't want to hinder your intimacy with the Lord? What would look different in your life if you really embraced the power of the resurrection, the life? the identity, the security, and the purpose that God has given us. Today, each one of us, we have the opportunity to embrace this. Uh, Jesus made it really clear when he was on this earth. John 3.16, speaking of football, every football game you see somebody with a sign, throwback Tebow, he had it on his cheeks, his black, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Do you see the redemption there? You see, we all are destined to perish because of sin. And he says, if you believe in me, you will not perish. You'll go from the kingdom of death to the kingdom of life. I will restore you because I died on the cross, because I was raised again. I have the power to do it. You don't have the power. You can't be perfect enough. You can't do it on your own. But I've already done it. So this is what we're called to do. If you believe in me, you will not perish. And you say, Derek, is it that easy? Man, what what kind of gospel are we preaching here? (laughs) See, that's what Jesus preached, though. He said, if you come to me, I don't care what your past is. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what kind of church you came from or if you didn't come from a church. If you come to me and you confess me as Lord, I will become your Lord. I will come into your life, and I will love you, and I will be present. I will give you your identity. I will give you security, and I will put you in motion for your purpose. So each one of us can have that today. We can come from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of life by saying, God, forgive me. I trust you, Jesus, in your death and your resurrection. And today it says that the heavens celebrate when one person says, I want to follow Jesus. So will you pray with me? Bow your heads. If today you say, I, I, I recognize that I am still on the wrong end of this identity piece that that I am still a person that doesn't know Jesus that I'm destined to death that I don't have a new identity from the cross if that's you today and you say I want to know identity I want to be redeemed I, I want to know who I am I want to know that God is for me and not against me and I want to know that I have purpose even in the menial things of life If you want to have life today, I just want you, by every head's bowed, just to raise your hand and to say, I want that, and I want to pray with you today. So if you say, like, right now, today, like, I want to step into the kingdom. I want to become part of the family of God. Just go ahead and raise your hand and say, that is what I want to do today. I want to know life. I want to know life. Now, if you've got your hand raised, listen. I want you to say a prayer with me. It's not a special prayer. You don't even have to say the same words that I'm saying. But the thing that you're saying is yes to Jesus at the bottom. So what you're saying is, God, right now, you can say your own prayer. God, I want to know you. I believe that Jesus died for me and that he raised three days later with victory over sin and death. And Jesus, I trust you and I receive your forgiveness. I know I'm not worthy, but you made me worthy when you died for me and gave me a value so today, Lord, I trust you. I say yes to you. I commit my life to you, and I will follow you. Thank you for making me new. Jesus also said, after you come into the kingdom, that you should ask him to give you the gift that he loves to give, which is his Holy Spirit. And so if you're sitting there today, and you say, man, I just, I just came into the kingdom. I'm, I'm alive now. You also need the Holy Spirit with you. That's the security piece. And so that is also given by faith. And so if that's you today, I just want you to say, Lord, fill me up with your Holy Spirit. Fill me up with your Holy Spirit. Let me know that you are near, that I don't have to fear because God is with me and in me. And he's gonna fill you up right now. So good, so good. You can go ahead and pop your heads up. Listen, if you raised your hand today, your life changed today, okay? You're no longer a sinner You're seen as a saint. You're no longer an enemy of God. You're a friend of God. And that is news to celebrate. Amen? So good. So good. And listen, there there were quite a few of you who had your hands raised. Listen, this is what the enemy is going to do. He's going to call you and he's going to target you and try to downplay what you did today. He's going to come after you hard. And listen, a a locker was never meant to be by itself. You hear me? A locker is never meant to be by himself. That's why you have a whole row of lockers because... Being part of a family is not a solo gig. You're now part of this church, part of the corporate family.